Welcome to episode one of Keep the Hotel Empty. I'm your host, Eric Paul. In studio today, we are grateful to welcome an extraordinary barber and successful entrepreneur, Fresco Fades. Fresco talks about his start personally, what it takes to be a great barber, and some of the things he does to maintain and expand a thriving, successful business. Enjoy. So, welcome to Keep the Hotel Empty. Thanks. Today we have uh, kept the hotel empty to uh, bring in our friend Fresco Fades, yep. the man, the legend, the barber of the area here. We got a lot legend. to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, you yeah. know, you, you got quite a reputation, you know, started from nothing and when we're four shops deep. So, oh, yeah. uh, I'd like to start maybe a little bit back at the beginning. I know you got barber in your blood. I know you got creativity in your blood. I know this is something that you've been doing since you were young. Yeah. So, so, let's start at the start. Take me back to when when young Manny finds out that you know barbering is 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 this for me yeah so this is how it all started all right so growing up my dad he started cutting hair he picked that up when I was a baby and you know he picked it up as I was a baby so as I grew up I just watched him you know he worked in a salon and then from there he just decided you know I'm just gonna do house calls you know, um, cut up at the house, had a little spot built over there, you know, so I'd see him cut hair, you know, growing up. And sometimes we didn't have a babysitter, so I'd ride with him to a person's house. He'd do four or five haircuts at one house, and I'd be there watching. He said I'd always like watching. I mean, unless I was playing with their kids or something. But Right, and how old are you at this time? I'm like growing up, six, like seven five, years six, old, seven. That's so five cool. years old. You know, I'm sure he took me around as a baby too sometimes. So, so you're getting to see all aspects out of the gate, like from yeah. working in a structured yeah. environment to, to doing cuts yeah. wherever you can do Grinding. It. You know, yeah. I watched my dad grind, go house to house to house. And I don't know, I always liked it. You know, I loved it. So I grew a liking to it. And eventually I started practicing on my own head or whatever. You know, I'd practice on my dad. He would show me what to do. Uh, I had cousins and you know local friends in the area that would you know let me practice on them. But that was more uh, once we had already moved to Florida and I got a little older. I was like 10, 11 years old. Okay, so so, so where where did you practicing. start from before Florida? Where were you? So we lived in Chicago. I was born in Chicago, and then I lived in Cicero for a little bit, and it was just really bad. My family was like, "We're getting the hell out of here." Yeah. So, but that's originally where I took. I have a a picture, uh, a pretty famous picture, I guess, of me and my dad, and I'm kind of cutting his hair. Right. And that was taken back in Cicero. So. Okay. Cool. That was probably six or seven years old in that picture so okay so how old were you when you came here uh, it was 1994 so we're probably like eight years old nine years old okay so, so at that point you've been well exposed to the haircutting oh, yeah. okay yeah, yeah. and you know that's yeah. what's going to be going down so, in florida too now i'm getting a little older i can hold a clipper and my dad and i freak out you know so was there <laughs> so was there ever a time i know for most kids me included you know you think you when you're little you want to be an athlete you want to be a rock star you want to be a whatever your line was was barber from go be a barber <laughs> that's yeah. so cool i was like i want to be a barber and that's it 
you know so when you're like eight nine ten in that area you're starting to cut your own hair I'm starting and to practice and eventually get a cousin to let me practice on him whether i was gonna mess up or not yeah <laughs> i pretty much did something i can't mess up you know take it all one down down one size and give him a hairline you know and you know, I always stuck to trying to be safe. So I never really messed up too many heads, actually, which is kind of surprising. If anything, I messed up my own practicing haircuts on myself. Um, but yeah, at about 11 years old is when I finally started like, all right, I know how to knock down a haircut and give you an edge. That's five bucks. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So I started making money pretty early in life Yeah, uh, as a young kid. Well, that's was, the benefit of having the the exemplary, uh, exemplary yeah. nature of your dad. It's like, I'm going to grind. You know, I'm going to make money. I know how to do it, whether I'm 11 years old or not. <laughs> I can so, start making money. <laughs> so when everybody else is thinking, you know, they've graduated on a lemonade stand, you're already cutting hair. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's that's what I was that's that was my mission so you have this innate drive to to do your thing and and make something of it yeah does that i know obviously that stems from watching yeah. your dad and all those things but yeah. where else at that earlier in age or, or even as you're just starting to progress into cutting hair and i'm i'm assuming hitting kids up at school and it's now starting to be fresco can cut hair when you get into middle school i imagine yeah yeah oh yeah definitely once i was in middle school i was sixth seventh eighth grade i was cutting hair i was I was killing it. So where else at that point were you drawing that inspiration from, or was it just enough of a seed in your own innate drive? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, that seed was planted in my in my heart, in my brain, and that's all I wanted to do, and I pushed for it, though obviously my father was a motivator. Mm-hmm. It was already planted in my head that I was that's what I was going to do, so I just, whatever, I just kept kept pushing. All right, so take me take me to when you're like in middle school now and you're cutting hair for money and people know you can cut hair. How does that road get you to where I sort of meet you when you got your very first shop here and it's, you know, hole in the wall? How yeah. how did you get yourself from, you know, hey, I think I can do this to I'm I'm absolutely doing that. What was that couple of years like for you? All right, so through middle school, everyone learned that I was able to do it. You know, able to cut hair and give you a decent cut. So as soon as I hit high school, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, you know, I I grew quick. And I was one of the only guys in school cutting hair. So who wouldn't want to come and get a cheap haircut from me real quick and just as good as a barbershop damn near, you know? Yeah, and be fresh. So I was cutting hair in high school, in class. Um, I was in the cosmetology class. So I would bring students to the class to cut them up and... I'd be able to get people out of class to get my haircut because I needed credits. That's cool. When did you start so, that? Were you able to that start was all that through high school? That okay. was cosmetology. They offered it in my high school. And that was in St. Pete. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so I lived in St. Pete from when we had moved from Chicago, and did all all my schooling over there. And let's see, uh, right after high school, I moved over to Sarasota for a little bit. I love it out here. I have cousins out here, which is why I know about it. Right. And uh, I just always liked it out here. So I moved out here pretty much by myself and lived with my cousins. And I would work at, a, I worked at like two barbershops out here too. Um, and I did pretty good out here. I had a big following. So Sarasota is always in the back of my mind that, you know, I, I really love it out here. Maybe I'll live out here one day right. my whole life. 
So I eventually moved back to St. Pete and I finished up my schooling, barbering, because you gotta have a barber license uh, to open up a barber shop, go work somewhere, because Spectre walks in, you're getting kicked out. Right. All, all that hard time you spent building clientele, being broke, whatever. This was a big part of the transition from so, doing yeah. it at, you know, yeah, off just, the cuff into doing it legit. Exactly. So I had to finish up my schooling. Uh, finish that up. It was a little late. It was, I was like 22, 23 by the time that happened. Wow. And um, actually, I met my wife over here in Sarasota, and we started talking. And um, I finished up schooling, and I moved over here and started my life. So uh, that's when all of Sarasota got to really know me, though I already had friends out here right? Um, since I was young. So it kind of helped me out a little bit, you know. Uh, and I had like... I don't know, I would say the group of my friends out here are very known and popular and yeah. so I blew up pretty quick once I opened up my first shop. Right. But before that I was working at two shops out here and it was it wasn't good. Yeah. I had well that's the transition thing. time. I had to do my own thing. Uh they didn't have the style out here that I liked. Um I was one of the very first shops open out here as far as an urban young urban shop shop owner. Right. Um there was other urban shops, obviously. I, by far, was probably the youngest guy that, op- that opened a shop out here, though. Right. I was only 20, just 23, just turning 24 when I first opened. And it was small. You know, it wasn't nothing crazy. It was 300 square feet, about as big as this room. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's, yeah. that's when people started mentioning to you, because at that point, we were at the studio, and I was having artists come in, and people come in, and, you know, I actually had a photographer come in who had one of your early Fresco Fade stickers on the back of his truck. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But let me ask you this. What kind of advantage do you see in hindsight, or how did it feel to you at the time to be able to take the cosmetology classes in high school mm-hmm. instead of having to wait to go to some kind of technical college or whatever how how did that how did it feel at the time and in hindsight how do you see that being an advantage getting to be able to start earlier in school a well, public school setting right? right yeah so you know a lot of people will start that class not ever even doing any of this first you know like started cutting hairs young and then getting into the class. So it was an advantage to me that I was able to learn more on something I already was learning on my own. So that's a big advantage because I already knew all this compared to everyone else. Right. You know, so I was always at the top of the class, whatever, from the moment I got in. Um, it was just a big, uh, it was a good thing that I already knew what I knew, you know, so it just, shot me forward do you think your timeline or or even the trajectory of your success would have been different had you not been able to have those cosmetology classes in high school definitely um yeah because you know a lot of people that don't get to do that you know they they continue doing what i was doing house to house or whatever and not taking it as serious as it should because you need that license so they end up going longer and longer without getting a license and getting in trouble and bouncing around shops and blah blah right you know, so I was already able to you know know mentally knew the laws and all that stuff that I need to get this you know so it was a clear done. it was a clear decision for you that going legit and doing this the right yeah. way quote unquote mm-hmm. was was yep. the plan no for sure because you you can't get too far without without the license you can't right you know um you can until you get caught you know and it's that's 
puts all your hard work down the drain. Right. You know, and I really wish they would uh, offer more of these classes in schools nowadays, um, especially with barbering and hair being so big now. The industry is huge. Right. You know, and I feel they schools, high schools, they definitely need to offer that more, whether it's some type of trade, you know. I think every school needs to offer a couple trays in each. Yeah, I see that a lot. I mean, you know, we we both got kids in varying ages, and I see how much the the school system specializing them a little bit earlier is an advantage. And I was, you know, curious how that was for you because you know That's that great. was pretty early yeah. on. Oh yeah, it's a blessing. And plus, they use those credits you build those four years of school towards your school when you want to finish and you get out right if you don't finish the hours in that time they take the hours that you did and those hours are free now because it was from public school right so when you go to the technical college to finish say you got 400 hours left you only pay 400 hours instead of the full course right so that helps people a lot financially and kids that just don't have the money to spend on school and not just don't have the the curve yeah yeah people just don't get it Okay, you know, so that messes people up too with getting a license and schooling and all that. Yeah, it's weird because the the licensing around that surrounds having to barber is. It, 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 can you fill me in a little bit on this? It's as stringent as it would Dude, be if you were like insane. a piercer or a tattoo artist or something of that nature, right? Because you I mean, could cut people and you have to have those type of. Well, even then, I mean, like a piercer or tattoo artist don't need to go to school for 1,200 hours. Right. To get a license, you know what I mean? Which I'm not downplaying it at all. No, but it's I mean like not, the regulations. It's just, it's just crazy what they do for the barbering. You got to go to school for 1,200 hours, right? But 1,200 hours takes a year to finish when you're in uh, hair school. Right. Because it's full-time or part-time. And then maybe you're an adult now. You don't even have time for full-time. So now the you got to do part-time. It takes almost two years. You know, that's... The the schooling is insane, and then you got to do three hundred haircuts and five hundred shampoos, two hundred colors. Like it's 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 pretty pretty intense to just to do hair compared to some other professions that I feel definitely need to have some more of a program they need to follow or something to get licensed right and see that that that's what made me think you know barbering is such an old trade yeah is is there a lot do you find a lot of these criteria for lack of a better term or these bars that they set to make sure people can do it is something that's just been rooted in barbering for so long well here's another thing is like they expect you to do all this right and they the way it used to operate is when you would finish the main schooling, mm-hmm. you know, you would take the big exam, you know, and then you'd have to do a haircut. And you'd have to prove that you know how to do all the steps during a basic haircut that everyone follows to pass this exam, you know. Right. They took that away. And then they had it for the state board that you're supposed to be able to go take the written and then do the practical in front of a bunch of judges, you know, in front of a bunch of and the practical people. is the haircutting itself. Yeah, you got to do a haircut, but they took it away. Too many people were failing, and they're just they're trying to make it to where anyone can pass now, which is not a good thing, right? <laughs> but this a is a stimulating thing. a business trend yeah. maneuver, I imagine. Yeah, um, but and now I guess it got even more difficult. People can't do the twelve hundred hours. That now they're lowering it to six hundred, but now you get a lesser of a license. Ah. Uh, 
you get a you don't get that full license. You know, you're only able to do a couple things as a barber. When you get the full license, you can do hair. I mean, as far as color, sorry. Right. Do coloring, permanents, perms, chemical treatments, stuff like that. Um, so, I guess this is just a matter of trying to flood the workforce. Cause this, right. This is actually something I wanted to ask you about because I know yeah. that you've been around in this transition. Because I would say maybe 10, 12 years ago when you first came on my radar, I know these kind of barbershops had prominence in bigger cities, you know. Yeah. But here it was something different. And now this barber culture that, that you're mm-hmm. well a part of and well represent is so ubiquitous and so everywhere. Like, what what do you think the impact has been with now I hate to say it but anybody that wants to think they're a barber hangs out a shingle and starts cutting hair what what do you think about how big the barbering culture has gotten the barbering culture has gotten huge and with that being said so many people uh, coming into this industry we have a lot of great people we have a lot of great people with new ideas and coming up with new styles and cool stuff but with that being said so many people flooding the cultures there's a lot of people that just are coming just for the money and not really caring about the culture right they're not caring about the culture they're doing whatever they want to do they're not caring about the customers they you know uh technically barbers in my my type of um establishment you know they're 1099 you know they pay a booth rent right that's what they do. And, you know, someone looked up, I guess, one day, you know, as a 1099 booth runner, you, you're allowed to do what you want, basically. And uh, a lot of people are miscomprehending that. Or, and it's not just do what you want because you're your own business, 1099. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they think, oh, I can do what I want, you know, as long as I pay my rent, I'm out, you know, I do what I want. And yeah. it, it wasn't like that before. Every barber knew that they're their own boss in 1099, 10 plus years ago, right? right? But now they have it in their head that, you know, they just come in, work with, cut hair, do what they want and leave. Don't help out, don't do nothing at the shop, whatever. And it's being flooded with a lot of newer barbers that have that mentality, right? which is kind of messing up the the industry as far as how barbershops are operating. And do you think that has to do with them just coming up in this already changed environment and no, having no like tie to barbering 10, 20, 30 years ago? Yes. Yeah. That. Definitely. And I feel a lot of schools aren't implementing and letting them know how you should be when you start working in someone's business like the common sense of working at somewhere right is leaving right you know it's like i get a job somewhere i'm gonna respect the rules there and you know do my thing and do my best to help out when i don't have nothing to do or help the boss promote or something yo what do i need to do man you need some help something yeah you know yeah that's the greater uh, than the sum of your parts hey bro i'm out to you. Yeah, you know. Well, it mutually, benefits, it like, mutually benefits everybody. I imagine in an environment like ours. I mean, I know you get quite a bit of walk-in traffic, but everybody's yeah. reputation is kind of built on everybody else's and yours exactly. to start with. So if things aren't stable, and then there's no people sitting at work wait for people to walk in, and the shop just empty, it's like, you know, 
the barbershop style is changing. That's what I'm saying. Like it's right. that's messing, interrupting things. I guess. So, so the technical skill is a big part of it, and I know you personally, and I know a lot of the barbers in your yeah. shop have exemplary technical skills. That's a that's mm-hmm. obvious. No, everybody sure. can cut hair. I'm with, uh, and we know that part. But let me ask you about some of the things you've had to learn along the way in this this 1099. This sort of thing brought this up to me. Mm-hmm. What are some of the extra skills you've had to get along the way, or have you've found yourself becoming an expert at of things that you never ever thought you've had to do? Because, you know, to make some of this long story short you've gone from this 300 square foot shop this yeah. area you've decided uh described to, to four shops now in three mm-hmm. counties so what's some of the other skills besides being able to cut hair that that you found yourself now um, <laughs> unfortunately or fortunately find yourself good at so i feel like i've always i've always had all these skills you know they're just on a smaller level mm-hmm. you know but uh as you grow, you know, everything just goes with it. And I've always had a customer service. My customer service just got bigger. You know what I mean? I've always cared about my customers. Uh, Customer service is a big thing that you need to learn, you know, how to keep your patience and how to talk to people, what, what to say, you know, you got to learn all that stuff as a business owner. You can't say certain things. You can't, you know. Where do you find that you or any of your barbers have struggled with that? Because I know in an environment like yours, it can be intimidating and certain people have to be made to feel comfortable more than others and things like that. So with that, the um, definitely the the barbers um, sometimes, you know, they don't. We're not all thinking on the same page, uh, how to react and all that stuff. So right. sometimes you'll see a bar like flip out and I'm like, dude, 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 chill, chill. Yeah. <laughs> well, everybody's human weather. Now yeah. we're getting our hair cut. Yeah. <laughs> like, relax, man. Yeah. Um, so just trying to project um, good customer service onto the rest of the shops, uh, all the barbers and everything. That's well, your shops always reek of, of confidence and, and calm, and I know that trickles on down. And how is that for you to have to set the example for the other barbers around, especially like you're saying, the young guys who don't necessarily know and they have to look to you because you know you're the man that's got four shops, dude. Every day, all I try to do is set examples. That's it. From the moment I wake up, I post, Hey guys, good morning. You guys could be doing this too. Let's get up your thing um get to work in time come on uh let's grind you know let's tighten things up you know i'm always trying to motivate nothing but good uh habits and you're doing that directly with your staff yeah no yeah for sure i mean you know i'm in four shops but in the morning i'm texting right good morning guys what's up you know and i do that i'm not just not messaging and not paying attention to them you know i i try my best to still stay in everyone's everyone all each each circle's lives you know right and motivate and show set good examples you know but we're all only human you know we can only do our best well that's cool i mean all of your shops reek of your character personally and i think that that's cool yeah i try my best to rub off rub off on them and you know show them what a good vibe is like in the shop and all that for the customers and how to pay attention to people, what to look out for. And, you know, it's all, it's all, I'm teaching them nothing but good things that will help in any business. So whether they want to open up their own business, the right. way I run it is a good way to 
set an example for them. Right. So, so now that you've gone from one small shop to four shops, you obviously can't be in four places at once, and you can't be inspiring and motivating everybody in real time in person. Right. So, so two questions kind of come from that. How how is it that you managed to spin all those plates and split that time like that? Because you're going from here to St. Pete. Yeah. And how is it that you find somebody that you can leave to be? not necessarily pseudo you while you're gone, but at least make sure that they're holding up your flag and making sure that your morals and mantras are being carried out when you're not there. All right. So the first shop is the oldest shop. We opened in 2012. And that's here in Sarasota, the north? Yes, Sarasota. um, It used to be, it was Fresco Fades 1 on Fruit Bone Lime. Yeah. In the little plaza over there, but we moved it to a bigger location, more parking and all that on 301 in North King. And that opened over in 2012. So my, basically is like my brother over there, Weecho, he's been with me for, oh my God, so long, over seven years, so. Uh, At the point that you opened up the, the shop on Northgate? Right. Okay. Right. So he's been with me for a hot minute, and uh, you know he's he's hardworking man. You know, family man. Uh, good morals, respect. You know, works hard. Works probably about as hard as me. So if I see that in you, you're definitely gonna be a manager over there. <laughs> and you, know you had I mean? just and you were running just Northgate only that one shop for how long before you opened two? All right, so it was at Lime when I opened two. So, oh, okay, I was at Lime for about eight years, and then we finally opened up two or seven years, and then we finally opened up two, and then after we opened up two a year later, I had to move the first location. Right. Okay. So, okay. That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. So two is going on four years, four and a half years, something like that, and. Uh, Two years later, we opened up three in Bradenton. So, and we have a we have a manager in each shop. You know, um, like I said, they're just. I feel like. And I your can, main guy is still managing one. Yes. Okay. Yes. I feel like when I go to the hiring, I feel like I could. If I could see a little bit of me in you, you know, the respect, grinding, and you know, no, no, making excuses and not full of shit. You know, then that's what I look for, you know. And Weecho's been with me forever. He's actually running that whole spot by himself because I'm, I'm working two days in three locations, the second, third, and the fourth. So in each shop, I have a manager. And second, I got Ralph. Third, I got Bruiser. Fourth, I got Jay. And first is Weecho. And all these guys right here, they're all grinders. They all got respect for the business. They all take care of the business. They all know how to operate the business, keep the good vibes going, good music. You know, having a, you know, having the whole uh, ambiance. You know what I mean? Right. Of how I like to have the shops run. Right. So those guys all showed them a good example on how to do it, and they do it, and they're doing great. So the main qualities that you got to have are the qualities that you value in yourself, being honest, being disciplined, good moral fiber, and still knowing how to have a good time while we're cutting hair. Exactly. 
Exactly. So I noticed one of the one of the X factor qualities is your self discipline, and I I know that just because of the way you operate your businesses and things like that. But I also know that from your physical fitness being a big part of your life, mm-hmm. your meal prep. You're a guy that doesn't leave any T's uncrossed or I's undotted, and I know that that's a challenging thing. <laughs> just from oh, watching yeah. it. No, it so, is. So let me ask you this. I, I know you burn the candle at both ends. If you're you're running two days a week, three shops, that's six days. You get one day to try to regroup and do it all over yeah, again. And family day. Yeah, right. And you <laughs> got kids one. and a family. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this can't be easy every day. You can't have the gas for that every day, even with the dedication. So let me ask you this. What's it like on those days when you know you got to push? When you know it's like... Hey, I gotta go through the motions. Is it motivating for you to be in the position to know that you've got people relying on you that you need to motivate? Where do you get that? Where do you get that bit so, of gas when you got right? Gas? So daily, you know, I'm always a pretty high energy kind of guy. You know, I wake up 5:30, 6 a.m. And I mean, it's the summertime. My kids don't gotta be at school, so yeah, I've been sleeping in maybe 30 extra minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe 30 extra minutes, bro. So I usually you get to be out summer too, a little 4, bit. 4:45. Now I wake up at like 5:30, you know. But and that's a seven so, days a week routine. Um, so Monday through Friday, uh, when I compete, though, uh, I'm seven days a week. Uh, and competing, you're talking bodybuilding shows. Gotcha. So I'm. That's my new love, my sport. So, but yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, yeah. So every day I post videos of me getting up and trying to motivate people and say hey guys get up you know i'm you might be tired you know but just just get up and do some jumping jacks real quick i don't know jump in the shower whatever you got to do you know every day i motivate people i make these videos then i show me taking my pre-workout going to the gym doing workouts i record almost my whole routine every morning and all I mean I don't want to I mean this is what it is uh, all the time I always get messages from lots of people random people hey man I appreciate you for posting this it really helped me out yo ever since you started uh, posting these videos you're working out every morning it finally motivated me and I've been working out nice uh, yo bro I'm, I'm really gonna try this out hey how do you do this workout I really like it um, even some older older people will, will hit me up. Hey, I, I love the stuff you're posting. You're so motivating. Good good stuff, you know. Um, just like in a nutshell, that's about like I'll hear all these things, and sometimes I get a message this long from someone on how much I help them, you know. So those days where I feel like shit, and and I'm like, Shh, I don't know. No one else would go to the gym right now, or no one else would get up and go to work right now, or, right? But I got so many people, like. Not want to say depending, but hoping to see me post something that's going to motivate them. And so that's the energy for me, right? So the energy that you put out does does and, help and return. It's also, to set examples, you know what I'm saying? That you, you don't have to fucking sorry. <laughs> no, you don't have to. Um, you don't have to sleep in just because you had a couple of drinks the day before. You know what I'm saying? Right. Or, you know, sometimes that's what it is. But it's like, dude, just get your ass up. Get in that damn shower. Go get you some breakfast. Eat a bunch of bread and get to work. You know right. what I mean? Well, the excuse so, voice gets loud for people. And the excuse voice gets easy. How do you keep yeah. that down? How do you keep that down? I cuss when... myself out. 
Yeah. <laughs> I literally yell at myself. I'd be like, Manny, get your ass up, bro. Fresco, Manny. Yeah. So you have no problem being strict with yourself. Oh, no, bro. My, my voice. Hold on. Let me see if I can find this. Let me see if I can find this alarm. So you, so my phone talks to me. My own alarm says, says wake that ass up. <laughs> Last chance, fucker. Don't forget vitamins. Start waking up, gym bitch. <laughs> and the phone actually says it out loud when when it goes off. It'll say, "Wake that ass up." <laughs> so these parts of it are ingrained. These yeah, are ingrained. Bro, like I I make sure that I get done what I need to get done. So what's your yeah. process for developing these routines? Because clearly a lot of your success and forward momentum is built on the fact that you can make routines pretty well. How do you how do you make these routines? How do you stick yourself to them? Uh, so I I look at my my hours of life I have per day, <laughs> you know, and my goals for the day or I set goals for the day, week, month, year, years, 5 years, 10 years. You and know, you write them down? I actually, uh, some of them, some of them are written down. Some of them are just something that's mentally there. It's just there. It's, I'm not You're just checking it. in with them along the way. I'm not going to forget. If, the, more thing, the things that you would really write are things that you would write like, that are like a daily, weekly, maybe monthly. But the things you know you got planned in a year from now is like, it's there. Get a little closer, then you start putting it together. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, um, you have a certain amount of hours in a day. Don't waste them. You know what I mean? If if you're doing something that's keeping you incapable of making your life better, then you need to figure that shit out and stop that. <laughs> right. You know? So I just, you know, I, I have so many things to do. I have to be up early. I have to be up early because I have to go to the gym, too. And I'm not trying to do it at the end of the night when... I should be hanging out at home with the family. So, boom, that has to be done in the morning. That's a 100% has to be done. So, a lot of things is just being real with yourself and knowing I don't have time to waste. I need to set a routine for myself. So, is your consciousness of the fact that we got a limited time on this earth and a limited time in general, uh, what helps make it easier for you to make sure you're not wasting it? Um, first off, I wish we had eight days a week at least. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do feel, especially recently, you know, I mean, I'm 36, uh, but ever since I was about 25, 26, I was like, fuck, time's flying. Time is flying, and I don't have time to waste. And you were a father at that point, yeah? Oh, yeah, I've been father since I was 17 okay so my oldest he's about to be 19 on the 25th year this month dang so and yeah I just you, you don't have time to waste I don't know what people are are waiting for <laughs> right you know and I just I'm someone that just has that locked in my head and so I make sure I don't waste time you know obviously you enjoy yourself here and there or whatever yeah right but when it comes down to life and getting shit done, like, you don't have time to waste, dude. <laughs> you know, you don't... A lot of people say YOLO, and I'm like, yeah, you only live once. <laughs> you right. only live once. You, you need to also not just party your ass off. You need to... Live while you're here. Live a good life. Maybe I want people to remember my name, not forget my name. Right. You know, not saying it's a bad thing. They forget it, but I'm... 
that's what's in my head. I want to be remembered. So I'm going to keep doing big things to keep it there, keep my name in history. Right. And do you think that, you know, having these barbershops and now your youngest is, has been around you and he's starting to, yeah. to show interest in he's the one that wants to take over. He's like, so when do I get to take over? I'm like, dude, you still got to learn how to cut hair. But he's already trying. He practices on his, um, and my father-in-law's grandfather. Right. Uh, he's practiced on me, my dad. Uh, so he's definitely going to, going to probably take over for sure. He's 11 now. Got seven years to turn him into a beast. <laughs> so let's see. So yeah, that's all That's all part of that managing time too. Yeah. I'm sure having kids keeps you conscious of the fact that time is moving and we got to yeah. move with it. No, for sure. No, for sure. Yeah. So, and then when you got kids, you really ain't got more time to waste. Yeah. You know, it's like you want to set such a cool example for them and you want them to... You know, almost be like, yeah, that's my dad, you know? Right. So so was having your father be the influence that he was and the part of your life that he was, it would make that, you know, do you, obviously that helped contribute to that being no, a, sure. important to you. Yeah. Because i seen him like that. So, you know, I'm like, shit. Right. I want my kids to see me like that too, right? Right. So your youngest is getting into to clipping, <laughs> and I know your oldest is a, a pretty damn talented artist. Oh, so, yeah. So yeah. you just got creativity in the family, huh? Yeah, they're all pre pretty uh, creative. Um, my, uh, I have two, two of my other boys. Um, the oldest one, he plays piano, guitar. Awesome. And also the oldest one, too. He knows how to play the instruments, too. Um, and the other one, he wants to be a UFC fighter, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> he might find out that after a couple punches, he can draw, too. Right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Shit, wait a minute. Uh, My right. nose hurts. Where's that pencil yeah. at? Yeah, right? <laughs> How do so, you draw that? <laughs> so, um, obviously, yeah. you get to, you, you have to do some of, you follow the trends and do the cuts that people want, but have you always felt that you've been able to employ your creativity into your Oh, for sure. Um, I've always been like an artist since I was a kid. I was always drawing outside of cutting hair and being a kid. I was always drawing. My older brother, he's an artist too. Like it runs in our family, this art. So um, now I was more of like the graffiti and cool, you know, but I get to put that on people's heads when people ask me for designs. Right. It's a big part of my creativity for hair designs and you know, beards and all that, hairstyles, hawks, right? Definitely know that world. Coming in with that hawk right there. <laughs> definitely know that. Life. Yeah. So, but yeah, definitely it plays a big part of my creativity for hair. So. So, how much do you see the the culture influencing the trends and the styles that you have to do, and then how much of that can come from people like you who have some creativity and are willing to try a different cut, and then that becomes a trend? What, how how does that cycle work? Because I see so much in in barbers and people's cosmetics and all this stuff. Everything changes so quickly. You know how how is riding that wave, and what what parts do the culture play into that? So. In the barbering world right now, uh, we're kind of traveling backwards right now, so it's like history's repeating itself. And like, are we going kid and play? Haircuts are coming back right <laughs> now, um, and art has a lot to do with it. But uh, definitely, history has a lot to do with it right now. 
um, with fashion as well too all, all that's changing right now I mean the comb over came back that's like a 1930s 40s hairstyle or something <laughs> right. back in the day you know um, so fashion and all that has a big part of influence on hair um, I would say that's for a lot of the newer hairstyles but the most hairstyles still stuck is the official normal fades high fade you know um slick backs and stuff like that so, so is it so how much do you see and i, and I only know this briefly or, or minutely from the tattoo world that so many tattoo artists you know everybody comes in with their picture on instagram and says i want this or something like this mm -hmm. i imagine oh, you find some of that too you're a lot of clients you come in oh, they just man. you're trying to do instagram it's so funny so and that's another thing that people are seeing these haircuts that a lot of the barbers are posting these days and um they see these um haircuts a lot of barbers are posting these days but those are haircuts that have been um sprayed with hair color or to make it look fuller and darker and ah. stuff. so sometimes people come in they're like we want this and it's like dude that dude was sitting in a chair for like two hours got airbrushed and all that ah. <laughs> so sometimes it's uh it helps a lot that people come in knowing the kind of style they want but sometimes it's like you don't even know what they really did dude that's a long service right there right um but the uh it helps a lot when people do that. What yeah. would you say Instagram and social media has done for the barber world? Because when you started, I mean, Instagram was a barely a thing. Instagram had barely... So when I first opened shop, Instagram had like just barely started, and they weren't doing all that yet. But, man, it, it has helped the, this industry tremendously. Um... It's pretty much what got us more blown up again because barbering was, I'm not going to say it was like dying out, but it wasn't like everyone was like, yo, I want to be a barber. It was I more of be a barber so bad. You know, it was more of someone that already had barbering in their family and that's who became barbers these days. But now it's like social media made it like we're rock stars now. That was going to be my next like, question. We're, we're rock stars. <laughs> we, we can make you look like a rock star, rapper, whatever you want. Right. And, um, now it's cool to have your bar your own barber. Like that's the thing. Like, oh, I got my barber. You got your barber. Who's okay. your barber? Yeah, right. You know, it's so it's, it's it got a lot of parallels to the tattoo artist world. It seems like yeah, it's blown it up big time, and um, it's 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 done nothing but good, good. But with good comes bad, also. <laughs> right. You know, with like anything. So, but it's it's done more good than anything. So it's definitely put us on a higher platform. And being able to we put were, a face to your skill we helps. Yeah, no, for sure. That's cool. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's not just barbers. It's not just the culture. You're branching out all over. You have your own line of products and all your merch. And I know that's not where you started either. So how does, oh, yeah, no. how does what is it like when, when Fresco's alarm goes off at 4.30 in the morning and he's like, shit, today I've got to get these products going. I've yeah. got to branch out. How does that happen? How do you take the step from I'm cutting hair to I'm yeah, diversifying so my income? That's another thing that I'm. That's another thing that I'm learning as well. You know, and I can't say that I'm 100% um, pro at you know, <laughs> but I'm learning. You know, and that's and that's another motivating thing. I could just have someone else do it for me or whatever, and spend more money having someone do it. But I'm doing it myself and 
that's another thing where I'm trying to motivate people. Do it yourself. Learn it. And yeah. what are the main hair care um, products and, and self-care products that you provide beyond the merch? Um, well, the um, we have the 24K hair molding gel. That's uh, by Fresco Fades. And that was like our very first our very first uh, project. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were involved in the development of that stuff? Yes, yes. I actually hired a um, chemist uh, named Vanessa. She's over at uh, over in Lakeland. Um, and I found her through a friend that had created his own shave gel. Oh, nice. So he shared, with, he shared with me and, you know, met her, and the gel came out amazing. Yeah. So everyone loves it that likes gel. I was going to say, I've put so, up a mohawk or two with it. I yeah, can, I can attest to that. Everyone loves it, and... <laughs> It's it sells, you know, it's sold out, and I had to redo another whole other batch, and it's selling and it's doing good. But you know, I know I needed more than just a hair gel because not everyone uses hair gel. Right. So we uh, also created our own um, mat cream, um, and we also have our own uh, volumizing hair powder, and those all. Everyone loves them all. So I made sure I touched the three bases that are needed for any hairstyle, pretty much. Right. Especially these days. The hair powder, that's huge nowadays. You know, everyone's using that. And the uh, matte cream is, first off, it's amazing. Everyone loves it. <laughs> and that's and more that like came out great, man. That's what is sick. What, tell me about that. I'm, I'm totally unfamiliar with that. So the matte cream is, I, well, first off, it's called Marble Matte Cream by Fresco, Fresco Fades. And you were involved in development and, of this as well? Yes. So I'm doing a sample after sample after sample, and I'm just like, nope, that's not it. Nope, that's not it. Nope. Okay, mix this and this. Let's do that one. And that came out amazing. It's probably everyone's favorite at the moment right now. So it's a matte cream. You know, you can put it in wet. And uh, you just put in about a quarter size amount if you got some long hair or whatever. Put it in, blow dry it, leaves a nice dry matte finish. Doesn't look like it's full of gel or nothing like that. Mm. Some people don't like the gel look. Yeah, looking like, wet all the time. They want to keep a dry look. So, right. Or that's really good for a lot of like uh, businessman, professional, professional looking haircuts and stuff. Or you know, if you want to style it like the new modern style, the kids are doing the crop tops. Um, I believe we did one on. Little man. Yep. And, uh, you know, you put in some of the matte cream there, and it gives it that nice textured finish. It looks so good. Everyone loves it. So. And that was the last? That's your last product yeah, you that's the last product we, we just made. We released it about three months ago. About three, four months ago. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, and it came out great, man. Everyone loves it, so. So you got the gel, you got the diamond dust. Yep. And the, mm-hmm. the matte cream, yeah, and that's cream. all branded Fresco Fades, all yep. available at all four shops. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, and that's another thing. I'm building up the online store right now, so that'll be ready soon, where people can order off the website and get it shipped and all that, so. And that'll be all your hair care products and the mm-hmm. apparel, too. Yep, and we'll have more available coming out soon, too, so I got some other stuff coming. That's cool. Some other good ideas. So beyond uh, beyond all the products, I know that the sword the man must yield is the clippers, and I know that uh, 
part of the reason how I ended up being such a regular customer with you is your clippers did not fuck up my head. Yeah, no. So, yeah. Please, so please explain to me and people right. out there some of the things that separates one barber from the other because everybody's got their shingles hung out now that they're a barber. I'm, I'm personally yeah. curious about the tools of the trade. Yeah, so the tools play a big part. Um, I mean, I was always really like, a, you know, since I've been cutting hair since over 20 years now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was always a wall guy, you know? Wall and Andis is the most classic company. Um, they've been around the longest, along with Oster. I actually learned how to cut and fade with the Osters. But and then I went to the walls because the walls were awesome and fresh, whatever. And a name everyone knows. Yeah, so. Um, but and then, you know, Andis is the official, like, barber. Like, that's, if you're a barber, you're and, you use Andis, you know, the Fade Master Clipper, which is a classic. Um, you know, so I went through each one. I went through the walls. I went through the Osters. I went through the Andis. And when I buy a certain brand, I don't mix and match my brands. I if it's wall, I'm using the whole wall brand, clippers and trimmers. You know, I went through those, practiced through all of them. And now I am officially using Babyliss by Conair. And Babyliss is probably the most leading clipper company out there right now as far as uh, style, the, the team they've built up, uh, their history, and all the new things they're coming up with right now. So... They're leading in the Clipper game right now, and that's all I use. I use the um, the Babyliss Low Pros, and I use the uh, Lithium Ion Babyliss Clipper, and the let's see, oh, the shavers are amazing. They just came out with some new UV shavers. That's what I use. So that so this is not over, this is this is not what average Joe is used to. I got no, a clipper no, and ten attachments. Over two hundred a piece. No, no, I mean yeah. like uh, <laughs> I, I got a buzzer. I put different attachments on. You got different buzzer for different job. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I got to have three clippers and three trimmers and at least two different shavers on my stations at all times. Uh, some cut. Um, some cut a little uh, sh- shorter, you know, some of them for the real tight fades, some of them are for little kids and for older people where you don't want to hurt their necks and stuff like that so they don't cut as sharp, you know, and the other ones are just like more for how strong that clipper may be to get through more bulkier hair. Right. Uh, and then there's the trimmers, which is what we use to edge you up with. You know, one's going to be set really close for when I do designs and I can really get in there and get sharp. And then one's going to be a little medium and then a nice soft one for kids and all people. Same thing. So there's a there's a different one for each task. So so your clipper gets as important as any. Oh, yeah. Tool. You got to know how to tighten those things up. You know, a lot of barbers, you know, they try to just keep one set and they're going to set those things as sharp as they can because majority of people, more people can take that than less so they end up getting people nicked and stuff so you gotta have you gotta have a different clipper set up for different types of skin and hair so at your station at all times for sure so this is this is one of those things for people out there that wander into a random barber shop at a walk-in if you see a guy trying to do everything with one clipper this is not the way i had a barber borrow a clipper the other day because all their trimmers are set to sharp and he's doing a, a baby's neck so it's like you gotta you gotta have one that's not too sharp right <laughs> right 
right. So, so that's that's kind of an interesting thing too. You know, uh, obviously your shops are more urban; they're more geared towards you know older males. You know, I shouldn't say older, but you know that eighteen yeah. to thirty-five male. But mm-hmm. being a guy who has taken his son there for forever and a day, I see all types of people. Oh yeah. In. How much? How much do you pride yourself on being able to have an inviting environment despite the the cover of your book? Exactly. And what do you need to do? What kind of things do you have to tell your barbers and help keep your shop so that you can yeah. be urban but still inviting so, everybody and cutting exactly. the baby's neck? This is one. This is one. This is one big thing that I constantly tell the barbers and stress with the barbers is like. Customers already feel awkward sometimes going into an urban barbershop, especially because they're like, oh, man, they're going to be playing hip-hop. It's going to be pumping in there. It's going to be crazy. Right. So they come in, and then, you know, they're just like, oh, who do I talk to? And the guys are all, like, staring all crazy. And I'm like, <laughs> guys, you're not gang members. You're, fucking, you're a barber. Yeah, you're right. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> right. You know? So I try to have poppin', vibey music, first off. I try to not go too hard with the serious, serious hip hop. You know, most of the time I try to play old school, right? Right. I'm always playing some old school hip hop. That's classic. So as soon as people walk in, you need to be inviting. Hey, how you guys doing? You know, can I can I help you out? You guys just walking in, or do you have an appointment set up with someone? Right. You know, talk to the customer. You know, um, never try to make. Don't try to have any controversial speaking talking in in the business because that's just bad you know someone else hears it from this chair and then that guy wants to yell something over here you know you got to be careful what you talk about you know and if you're gonna talk about certain things that could be like that you know keep it to yourselves you know, and how much of a, how much of a skill is that for barbers to develop? Because you don't have to cut. Bro, you also got to negotiate talking to people, dude. I'll yeah, no, I'll be like, guys, if you're talking about anything crazy, like, be careful. You got to chill, because I got barber ears, you know, and you know, I, I guess their bartenders get this too, bartender ears. I don't know, but you, I can hear a conversation that's going on over there while I'm talking to my customer. I can hear what they're talking about over there, and I'm like, hey, right. Check yourself, man. <laughs> Dude, chill. Right. You know? So, um, always in in the barbershops, you know, you just always got to understand that these people are here to come give you money. They don't have to do that. Right. They could go to a shop where they feel a little bit comfortable, <laughs> a little more comfortable than coming in here for the first time and dealing with craziness. So, always try to keep the barbershop level to a chill, chill mode, you know, welcoming, greet. Don't look at people all crazy. You know, just they come here for a haircut and give you money, bro. Like, you can't right. get mad about that. So, right. I always um, find your shops to be really inviting. Yeah. No, I, I, I try our best with that. And because of that, we've built up a, a large amount of a variety of people, not just young kids that are down to come to the barbershop. We have, I have a large amount of moms that I, I cut their hair, ladies. Um, actually, some girls even get their head shaved. You know, they feel comfortable that they can come to my shop. Right. Even women. Right. You know, and come and get their hair cut. That just shows that I have started a, a business that's pretty much for anyone. Anyone feel welcome. I got older men. I have clients that are in their 80s that I cut their hair, and they just love coming. They're like, man, I love this shop, you know. Yeah, well, that that's a good thing, because 80-year-olds had a bunch of haircuts. They know a good haircut when they get one. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. I had a guy come in in St. Pete at our fourth shop the other day, and he's like, 
really old guy came in on a little in his little scooter thing you know and um he comes in he's like wow now this is a beautiful barbershop he's like man no one has a shop like this around here That's i was like make this is my good. new shop this is my new shop and i was like well i don't have anyone right now if you would like to cut your hair too and he's like oh man that's great he came in he was so excited man i made his day he was talking to me about because like i said he was older and he's been all over the place so he was telling me stories about other barbershops he's been through and the best one he had been to that he felt was better it was in europe i'm like damn that's badass there so i'm go. right up there with some europe shit okay <laughs> that's good yeah that's good i think that's very cool that, yeah. your, that your shops can have their theme but still mm-hmm. to still be inviting and take a, take everybody oh, yeah. and that cater to everybody that obviously trickles down from your All attitude walks. towards people and yeah. interacting with people no for sure and like we've been um we're actually voted number one in uh for the Minnesota. Minnesota Business Professionals Group. We were voted number one for barbershop. Um, and that was for the shop in Bradenton or just the, well, you I as guess, a collective? I guess it's Minnesota, so I mean, it's yeah. like maybe Manatee, Sarasota County, I guess. I don't I don't know how they right. they did that, but we, we got number one over there. <laughs> and then, um, you know, just showing like people are voting for us. Uh, as a community barbershop that they really like us a lot you know we just got voted uh, number one from the LGBTQ Um, I guess they have like their own group out here and they they put together a nice event and they voted for our barbershops they're awesome they feel comfortable coming to our barbershops and getting their hair cut yeah you know and I'm like that's cool everyone feels welcome see that's that's the thing I appreciate about it you know I walk in rock and roll guy dressed in black and tatted up and I don't feel weird no, yeah, yeah. Anybody can walk in. It's that's that's what it's all about, right? Yeah, yeah. So. That's a very cool thing. Mm-hmm. So, man, you really got it all going on from here to St. Pete. You getting voted number one. What what's next? Are we going to see Fresco Fades Five? Are you going to clone yourself? Yeah, How no, are you going to do it, this? It's definitely going to happen. Um, I have a lot of uh, other business ideas as well with the barber industry you know i'm possibly thinking of maybe doing a small school one day Ooh, that'd be nice that way you can uh, teach the things that are beyond the barbering that you're good at exactly so my whole thing was i wanted to teach school i mean i wanted to open a school that doesn't just teach the basics because in barber school all they do is teach you just the basics you know they don't actually give you this whole real life scenarios and stories and how to talk to people they don't do none of that you know you read your textbook you do these little haircuts and trade school style you know then you're done but my school i wanted to be more running like the actual business that way the barbers once they graduate and they graduate because you go through the textbook part first six weeks right and then the next part you're able to cut customers now and practice but i want to have it running you know like so this this may be kind of an odd question but when you went through barber school and the cosmetology training you had at no point did you have any schooling about running the business or being an independent contractor or anything like that well, they, they'll tell you the basics. You're going to be an independent contractor or you're going to do commission-based or an hourly base, you know. Right. Uh, but they don't 
but you don't have like a semester of business management. Hey, and then you got to go sign up and got to go get your taxes done. You got to get an accountant. You got to go pay, you know, do payroll if you want to be this kind of barber. Um, You know, they they just tell you a couple of basic things, man. They don't give you the the full rundown. So I want to actually teach get them through the school do the whole obviously the regular program that they do but also be more hands-on with them as far as teaching them what you're going to need to do once you get your license what route do you want to go do you want to be a barber okay well if you want to just be a barber go working at a barber shop you gotta you're gonna have to start up your llc so that way you can pay taxes on all your money that you get and maybe get approved for a car a house or something they don't do none of that. So every every barber out here barely even pays taxes. They're just Period. fumbling through the part that they had These no education. Just, everyone out here is just making cash and spending money, you know, for the most part. Right. There's very few of us that are actually doing it correct, you know. Um, so if you I could weave that, an entrepreneurial component into exactly, exactly, like a whole business course in side of the barber course geared towards being a right. barber yeah that's a great idea. showing you all the different areas you can you can reach out to you can go to barber school get your license and be like mm, i just want to create hair products right you know and not end up doing not end up doing that still gotta have the background but you still yeah but like you know i can show you all the different um different roads you could take in this industry, you know? I could be like, oh, I don't wanna work in a barbershop. I just wanna go get a job for a company that just does shows and I just go do haircuts on platforms. So ideally, do you see yourself being able to, for, for lack of a better term, be able to almost kinda franchise the Fresco Fades barbershops? That's, and make- that's another thing, yeah, that's what I was gonna say too, is if, um, if I don't keep opening them on my own, I'm probably going to start franchising soon. Because you got such a, you, you've clearly got a framework in place that's viable. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of. I actually have a lot of people reaching out to me trying to buy my business off me right now. Yeah, I'm like, no, it's not ready. Yeah, not ready. Well, that's 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 standard. That's how you know you done yeah. something right. Right. Well. They also don't know what the heck they're getting into because I'm like, well, my shop is a, you know, a booth rental, you know. Right. Most, there's three different types of shops. There's booth rental commission and then there's the hourly. Right. Right. The ones that franchise are mainly the hourly because they just hire anyone. People go in, get their haircut, and they get paid with the paycheck. Barbers like me that end up being really good and on point and all that they don't want to get paid hourly because they can make way much more paying a booth rent right so this is where the whole model of how to franchise it is going to be has to be figured out so it's almost like a commission sales environment where if you got a guy being played flat rate he's he's only doing what he has to do but a guy that can make his own destiny is out there and hopefully you get a hard charger and he's kicking ass yeah yeah yep that's interesting so it's it's a little difficult trying to figure out how to how to switch it to being more of a franchise mode because as a as a business manager yourself and where you're at now obviously it makes the most sense to not burden yourself with payroll and all that shit and to motivate your guys to be independently successful under your umbrella right right yeah I mean 
if they wanted to take a paycheck, I mean, the business would make a ton of money. Right. <laughs> but it's the whole model of my business. It's right, you know, booth rental. Yeah. No, that makes so. sense. Because a lot of it now is built on the reputation of the barber and the client to client. And that's why you see supercuts. I mean, growing like insane because people that go there don't care about their hair really right most of the time they don't really care about their hair because they're, they're, they're the people that are like ah it'll grow back whatever yeah you know what I mean or whatnot. so the people they hire are people that don't care to make all that money like a really good barber does you know that I'm gonna go pay blue around because I'm right most money so these that are, these that, are more people like I know how to cut hair. I'm gonna go get a little job, just get a paycheck, and fuck some people's heads up. Yeah, it's like being yeah. a line cook instead of a head chef or whatever. But those businesses make tons of money because of the way that they run. They're making, they're they're paying them paychecks and keeping majority of that money from the haircuts that get paid. They're getting a small hourly rate. They're getting ten bucks an hour. I'll give you ten bucks an hour if you give me all your money you make from every haircut. Yeah, right. Hell yeah. You know? Yeah. But that's why you see those chains growing so much. Because so many people that go to those establishments don't care. Right. Okay, okay. So that's so that's crazy. So that, 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 that's interesting to me because, you know, you see a lot of people and especially parents with kids and stuff like that that just get these turn and burn haircuts. Who cares about it? I get that. I totally get that. And then money is an issue because a proper barber cut is not as cheap as your wham bam cut. I get that. But, and then they won't, they'll, they won't even write a review on that kind of place. But if they come to my shop and we give them a small little, there's like a little little line there or something, tiny, we get a huge We'll get some huge Google review. Well, you should be proud that your expectations are high. <laughs> no. So, no. But what, what, sure. do, what do you see in the difference now in the culture, if not necessarily the barbers, but the people coming to get haircuts from people like you that are starting to realize the investment of this is the way I look, and not just from a vanity point of view, right. but from... You know, I'm I'm presenting myself in the workplace. I'm doing X, Y, Z like this. How is the culture not from the barber, but the person getting their hair cut changed? So, a lot of it changed because, like we said, barbering the barbering industry is huge now. So now it's like a badass thing if you got your own barber. So the status part of it. So the status part of it has changed to where we have. I have some clients that I'm like, damn, I never expected this guy to find me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm, but he just so happy he gets to come step into an urban barber shop, gets a fresh ass cut from our urban barber, that gets to kick back with him and talk shit and have a good time. And they, they love it. They, so many people, it has changed. So many more people feel comfortable to step into a shop now. So you see people maybe being more comfortable to make the investment not only because of the status part of it, but also mm -hmm. because of now it's a different experience? Yes. I would definitely say it's... Well, it's a different experience because they're coming into my shop where they feel comfortable coming into that kind of shop. Right. So they love it, and then they get, you know, they get blessed, you know? They get a fresh-ass cut, so... That's great. Yeah. So, man, you got dedication, you got drive. It looks like you got an excellent team around you. Everybody that comes up under you got potential to come up and manage a no, shop sure. because it doesn't look like Fresco Fades will be the end at five, six, maybe <laughs> a school. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, you know, I some the third and the fourth location, 
we moved those really quick. Like we opened up the third, and then a year later opened the fourth. Right, we moved fast. We were doing amazing. So not saying for everyone to try to move quick. You know, my first my first business, I went through three turtle shells, as you can say, in three different locations, <laughs> and that took time. You know, so do you get six, do you get crisis of faith at these moments? Do you ever have do you ever have the time where you're like shit in your pants? Is this going to fly, or do yeah. you, are you able to stay mostly in the gung ho? I, mean, I got this. I mean, I know I always got it, but sometimes you do get that little that little crisis voice of faith. back there in the back of your head, like, bro, what the fuck? Yeah. What's going on? How do you quiet that guy down you when know, you know say, you got to do? Shut your ass up. Mm-hmm. I'll be all right. You know what I mean? I'm going to kill it. I'm going to keep... You know, the other day, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not going to say uh, I, know, I never stress. You know what I mean? Well. Because, I mean, I was just stressing the other day. You know? But it's just when you start thinking too much into things. I mean, sometimes you have to think too much. Think into things a lot. But when you know you got something and you got it, you know, just relax. So when that fear, when that fear bubbles up, you just buck them down. Well, I was like, you know what? I'm a good person. And I I take care of people 24-7 more than, I mean, I don't post every time I help yeah. someone out. Right. Or the, this, when I walk out here and I see someone and I just, on the side of the street and I shoot them a 20 or something. Yeah. I don't, I'm not constantly posting things I do good for people, you know what I mean? Right. But I do good things for people all the time, you know? And I feel as if you're a good person and you're authentic, and you really care about people and you do a good job every day that good things are going to happen to you no matter what so i'm like you know what i'm gonna be fine i'm gonna be all right because i don't deserve nothing bad so <laughs> having, I mean? having that ethos makes it easy for you to stick yeah. to moving forward yeah i try to just get that negativity out of my head and be like you'll be all right you'll be all right this shit happens you'll be all right this shit happens you know? to everybody happens to everybody it's just all about how you react you right know? So, well, man, on that note, I want to thank you for coming. I want yeah, to thank man. you for sharing Thanks that. For me. Dude, your, your attitude is great. Your driving life is great. I'm inspired by you when I come Appreciate to the shop. I'm, I'm, I'm humbled by your success, and I, I wish you nothing but the best going forward, man. Yeah, man. It's going to be Fresco 5, 6, 7, 10, all over the country Sky in a school. The limit, right? Yeah. Well, I actually said the sky's not the limit. So let's see, right? There ain't yep. no limit. Yep, no limit, brother. Yeah. All right. All right, well, we'll catch you again. Thank you, Thank you very much, brother. Appreciate you, man. Yeah.